Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aiming towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! Once again, the Tigers banish the flick on. Gather round villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. The question of whether Emery could stop the rot was emphatically answered at Goodison Park on Saturday, so we'll get into the talking points around that and look ahead to this weekend as Palace visit the Villa. I'm your host Andy, and joining me this week, it's a welcome back to Dan. Hiya Andy, it's it's good to see you, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on, and I thought I'd step in seeing as Craig is probably somewhere midway across the Atlantic right now, and, and unable to join from 30,000 feet, but... But it's lovely to be back, and and I seem to have coincided it with a Villa win, which is even more fortuitous. Yeah, you've done well. You've certainly done well there, and uh, you know it's um, it's been a little bit turbulent, let's say, <laughs> over the last few weeks <laughs> on the podcast. But um, yeah, we're back to back to winning ways, and um, it was an interesting team. Emery made three changes from the defeat um, against Arsenal. Coutinho had picked up an injury. Um, and was replaced by Bailey. Buendia took a seat on the bench and, and Ramsey came back into the midfield. And also Luca Dean replaced Moreno um, against his old club. Had a feel of kind of back to basics in this lineup, I, I felt, um, after a, a, a difficult run in recent weeks. Um, it was kind of a familiar away day setup, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting one. I was surprised by the changes, if I'm honest. I, I was surprised to see Bailey back in, given his recent form. And I was surprised to see Luca Dean back in, given his decent form. But but we're seeing this a little bit from Emery at the moment. He likes to juggle around his lineup, doesn't he? And I think he spoke after the game about keeping players engaged and wanting to keep them in, engaged and happy till the end of the season. And and I've got a lot of time for that because it, it's you always talk about it on the pod, Andy. About it's 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 nice to have changes every week. It keeps the players involved, and you know, it's like if it's going to be the same eleven week in week out, it's hard to motivate yourself as a substitute to push the starters and to and to put it all in training every week. But but I really like what he's doing in, in juggling around the lineup with Luca Dean. Maybe there's a little bit that we're away to Everton, and he, he gave him that one, but. It's clearly working because, I mean, we saw it in Emi Buendia. He came off the bench and he'd, he'd had a fire lit under, and, which is perfect. And and above all, I think this just proved that, that Emery knows how to manage people. I mean, the response from Martinez in goal, Mings was imperious. I mean, he, whether he's calling players out or whether he's dropping them, he, he seems to have the magic touch at the moment about getting performances. Yeah, he certainly does. I mean, it, obviously it has been a, a, a sort of mini... Sort of bad run, I suppose, um, in the last three, and we have to kind of take it, take the context of who we've been playing as well. It's only really the the Leicester game, I suppose, where it was really disappointing. Um, but yeah, he's 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 got a way about him, and I, I was starting to worry really because it felt like he was just picking the same players week after week, and I think that that ended at at the Etihad, didn't it, when he, he, he brought on the five subs and, and four of them started the next game, which was which was really interesting. So um I like it. I think um I think you're gonna see Luca Dean and, and Moreno switch every game or, or or a lot of games and they'll replace each other during games as well because they both offer something completely different. I know you're you're not too much of a, a Luca Dean fan, but you know, he certainly seems like it, it's strange because because when he replaced Matt Target, he was seen as a very much an attacking mm-hmm. option, wasn't he? Um, whereas next to Moreno, he seems like the uh, he's the steady Eddie at the at, at left back there. So uh, it seems like they're going to have a bit of a 
a bit of a kind of uh, they're going to share that position till the end of the season. Yeah, I think you're right, and it, it is bizarre thinking as Luca Dean as the defensive option. I think probably Emery would would fancy plucking Matty Target off the bench at Wembley and sticking him in that role instead. But no, I thought in this game again we looked better when Marina came on attacking wise, but. That's probably due to the time in the game when Emery wanted to unleash him. I think, as you say, this was a solid away lineup to to basically give us the solid away performance that we needed. It was a it was a smart performance, kind of that, that we kind of quietened down the home crowd, quietened down the atmosphere, and then went for them. And I think the substitutions kind of showed us that when he brought Moreno on and, and Buendia on, it's like right now, now we settled things down. Now we'll get the goal and win us the game and. And he's got the tools in the squad to do it. It's it's a small squad, but he's showing that he can bring players on in, at different times, bring them on in different positions. We saw JJ play left wing here, whereas he's usually come off the right for us. So I think what we're seeing now is the manager who's getting to grips with the players he's got there. I mean, whether they'll all be there next season is a different question, but he's finally getting to grips with what he's got. Yeah, I think, and he's 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 de- developing those options, isn't he? And those 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 kind of little tweaks and, and alternative um, options in the squad, which is which is really great. But, I mean, the first half was was obviously uh, interesting, I suppose, for a, certainly for a Villa fan, maybe not for the neutral, but, you know, a solid kind of 4-4-2 set-up, the, the four-man box midfield playing very narrow uh, with McGinn and Ramsey, like you say, on the on either side sort of finding space tucking in and finding space sort of either side of um of uh, of the midfield to sort of either behind or or sort of running into space in front of them um you know with, with those with the two with Douglas Louise and and Kamara sort of holding the midfield um i mean both sides had had moments and Everton possibly will feel they had the better of the of the chances created um, there was certainly an excellent save from Emmy Martinez from from an Onana header. Um, it feels like we've we've kind of seen this game already three or four times since Emery took over, particularly away from home. Kind of you know soaking up soaking up the pressure and then sort of winning the game. Um, sort of quite late in games at times. Um, what, but what is it about this setup that seems to be so effective away from home, um, and and why do you think it's not so translatable to home matches? Yeah, I mean you're right in saying that it's effective. I think Emery hasn't lost. Oh, the only away game he's lost was was at the Etihad, and he won the second half there. So, you know, he's done pretty well away from home. And and one of the things I love about it is it's just so boring. It's beautifully boring. It's it's we went to Goodison. We knew they were going to come at us. And we just let them come at us. We we took it on the chin. We we let the crowd burn themselves out, let Everton burn themselves out, and then went to work. And it's ruthlessly professional. And, and I can't remember the last time I saw that from a Villa side. It's, it, it, it's not necessarily fun to watch. And I think that probably answers your question of why it's more effective away from home than it is at home. Is It's away from home, you can be a little bit more a little bit more boring, a little bit more safe. You can go about your business a little bit more risk-averse. And I think you don't have the crowd getting on your back necessarily or the expectation of the crowd on your back. And that that really suits the way Emery plays. And and I think not just in the result and the clean sheet, we saw that in the way we played. I think this is the best we've played out from the back in a long time. I mean, last week was a bit of a horror show against Arsenal. I mean, Martinez was pumping out a play every five minutes, but this week he, he looked like he had his sweeper-keeper boots on again and was pinging his passes around, the, the same with Tyrone Mings. And and again, I think that that kind of weighs into the fact you're away from home. You don't have the crowd getting on your back, getting a little bit jittery when when you're knocking it around the six-yard box. And, and so, yeah, for whatever reason, this team feels comfortable away from home, which is not a trait I associate with a Villa team. We've been pretty poor away from home for quite a while if, if my kind of memory serves me so yeah I, I really like it I, I really like the box midfield that you talk about it, it's somewhat novel in the Premier League but it works really well and it, it's getting the best out of the players we've got and and it's clogging up the match for other teams like I mean sure it's Everton let's do it lads it's Everton and we got a bit carried away when when we beat uh, Everton earlier in the season but 
it's just the efficiency of the performance that really excites me. And, and that's where I kind of feel like Emery's a bit damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because if you put that performance in at Villa Park, people will complain that he's boring and the football's too pragmatic. So I think he's consciously trying to trying to sex things up a little bit at Villa Park. He's putting on the, the sexy underwear and spicing things up for us. Whereas away from home, it's the, the wife fronts and an early night. Yeah, I kind kind of get that, but what he, I think what perhaps what he has to remember is, we, it wasn't long ago we were watching uh, Steve Bruce's team and um, <laughs> Paul Lambert's team and and, and 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 things like that. It's not like it's not like we've gone we've gone from from Jurgen Klopp's um, heavy metal football, you know, you know, to uh, to this. It's it, it's very much. Um, either, whichever way you, you slice it, I think it's an improvement yeah, on what we've true. been served up in the past, and certainly, certainly for the previous twelve months under Gerard. So, you know, I think um, he needs to not worry about that. We, we, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to see boring one nil, two nil wins at home. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going home very happy if I'm, if I'm seeing that. And I don't, I don't look at that team, that team selection, and think. And think that's particularly kind of um, uh, workmanlike, or you know, there there are, there's a certain perhaps profile of player in there, but but certainly, I mean, John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey, very attacking midfielders. Douglas Louise is excellent on the ball and very creative, and and you've got Watkins and Bailey up front, and like we said, Luca Dean's very attacking fullback as well. So it. it Although it kind of perhaps feels because Coutinho, Buendia, etc., aren't playing, it, it feels like it's a bit of a, a bit of a, um, you know, industrial sort of lineup. But it's it's not, it's not really, is it? I, I get your point, and um, and it is true to a degree. But I, I also think, and and Danny, can't remember his surname suddenly. The former former Liverpool mid, Danny Murphy, God, my brain won't blame me, picked it up on match of the day. We played two central midfielders out wide who came very, very narrow. And and you and I have talked about it on the pod before, that that really gives our midfield the advantage, especially against a team like Everton, who have a surprisingly good central midfield in, in Decore and Anana, like really strong combative midfielders. And so whilst in our eyes it isn't a particularly negative lineup because we know JJ can run with the ball, we know McGinn can get forwards, let's not forget that, that McGinn's two years away from, from being a number six for Villa and, and Jacob Ramsey broke through as a central midfielder. So, so we're essentially playing one striker, one winger and four central midfielders, which is kind of defensive. But, but you're right. I mean, how we play doesn't feel particularly defensive because we know what those players' strengths are. But... But I think it's smart management because that that four came really narrow and we were able to both clog up the middle but also outnumber kind of Everton's midfield. I thought it was it was really noticeable how many times we broke through the middle of the park, whether that was Jacob Ramsey running with the ball or, or McGinn doing his McGinn things with his left foot. It's it's really noticeable when when those four play, I think how much better they are than when Buendia plays there. And I think that's that's maybe why we didn't see Buendia away from home. Yeah, possibly. I like the fact that, that it that it is interchangeable in that mm-hmm. way as well. You can, you know, if you want to play with a a kind of chalk on your boots winger on the right, you can you can bring Buendia in to kind of almost play a left sided number ten role. Um or you can play the the you know the the, the more kind of um you know, s- central type of midfielders out there, can't you? Which is obviously what what McGinn is. Um, I just wanted to ask you about Ramsey because he seemed to have a really good game. I mean, he re- he, re- he he really looked back to his kind of explosive attacking best. Really, he he made some really good, particularly first half. I think he made some some really good breaks forward. Um, you know, through the middle as well, mm-hmm. coming off the left, but very much through the middle. Um, I saw him. I, I bumped into uh, JJ in the in Sutton Park on uh, on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were, obviously I was walking my dog, and I, I I I bumped into him and said hello and great win. He was, just looked delighted, like really delighted. Not to meet me, obviously. But, you know, to, <laughs> well, you never know. To, uh, Andy, <laughs> he might have preceded you. <laughs> well, I, doubt, I doubt that, but he no. He was, he was re- obviously really. Like buzzing with the win, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he's, uh, you know, he's he was having a lovely Sunday. 
Um, but he's he, he seems to be one that that maybe we've missed a little bit this season. He's not quite been on form. He's been in and out the side. Um, do you think? Do you think he's he's looking back to his sharpest now? Yeah, I think he is. I mean. I was, again, surprised to see him start because after the injury, he's been off the boil a little bit. I think he was poor against Leicester and, and poor again against Arsenal. But let's not forget that Emery's first game in charge, that, that game against Man United, he was our best player. He was absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. and it's not yeah, so long ago where he was pulling up trees under Gerrard too, which is a bit of an achievement in itself, given how much of a clown car that was. So um, I, I think he's getting back to his best. And, and it's good to see... Well, from from your kind of reports that he's happy because Emery's the kind of manager that's going to really take his game to the next level. We we know JJ's got all of the raw ability. It's just a manager who can unlock that. And I think he's probably better coming in off the left than he is coming in off the right because it naturally suits the right footer, I think. You can you can drive with the ball towards the area, which he likes to do, whereas on the right it's a it's an awkward angle. So I think it's his best position for us. And I think, um, I mean, surely he's done enough to start against Crystal Palace. And and I actually, I, I thought that the wide positions was an area we desperately needed to strengthen. I thought we needed new left winger, new right winger. But but the renaissance of JJ and, and especially McGinn too has, has made me question that. I think he's, Emery's really getting the best out of both of those and, and almost getting the same thing out of both of them too. They're both bursting into the area, bursting forwards, going narrow. And it's it's kind of nice that he, he's basically looked at our players and, and gone, worked out what they're good at and then encouraged them to do it. It's simple management again, but it works really well. But I, I suppose as well, they're, they're, they're not doing anything majorly different to what they were doing, asked to do under Dean Smith and, and Gerard, except you know, in an attacking sense, but, but they're not, they're not filling in at fullback and they're not, and, and, and they have more protection. They have Kamara and, and Louise in there with them, don't they? So they can, they can both sort of play that inverted role, you know, cause McGinn's the same on the other side, left footer sort of coming in and it's sort of, it almost naturally draw, draws them in, in field, doesn't it? Um, I always remember watching Alan Hutton playing at, playing at left back mm-hmm. And uh, when John Terry was there, he was fine because Terry, John Terry, would obviously keep him in check and keep. But when John Terry wasn't there, he didn't half drift in, inside, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to try and get to try and get away from that touchline. And I think, I think, um, you know, you know, it does kind of work like that psychologically. I mean, we'll talk about McGinn in a little while, but it certainly seems to have, have, um, uh, you know, improved both. Of, both of their games will at least given them a, a little bit of a, a new lease of life for the season, you know. So yeah, they, you're right. They've got a specific job. Whereas I think under Gerard, you're right. They, they were asked to fill in at fullback, but also get forwards and get goals. And McGinn was a deep line playmaker, but also a box to box midfielder. And it, it it was all so disjointed. And I think that's partly because as players, they're quite an odd profile. Like you don't really get box to box midfielders anymore. They seem to be a dying breed. And so I think that's why JJ and, and McGinn have struggled to find a regular spot in the central midfield for Villa. But the solution seems to be to push them out wide because then you don't mind if they're drifting off over the pitch because, as you say, they've got Kamara and Louise protecting them. So it's, you know, we've had inverted fullbacks and inverted wingers and false nines. Maybe now we've got false sixes or false eights, whatever they are, false box box midfielders. It's... But it seems to be working really well. It's a really smart ploy from Emery because they can rove off attacking and not worry that they're leaving a gaping hole in the, in front of our defence anymore. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's certainly a, you know a, you know a good kind of basis for the game, wasn't it? That first half, um, second half could have could have started badly as a, a really kind of uh, real scramble in the Villa six yard box, um, which Tyro Mings. <laughs> The coolest man uh, on Merseyside at that moment, I think. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't realise that he was actually on the goal line. I don't know, but he just calmly kind of took it on his instep and and passed it away from the goal. <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely amazed when I saw it. Brilliant that was! It was so so calm, and I think he knew exactly where he was. And only Tyrone could be that calm there. But 
I had a little look at his stats actually today. He won all of his aerial duels, all of his ground duels, and I think made the most interceptions on the team. This was this was Tyrone at his imperious best, and he definitely kept one out there. Yeah, he certainly did, and yes, it definitely um, won back for the, the 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 goal he maybe gave away last week. Although, you know, I, I'll, I'll kind of let him off because it was a great finish, but. Um, you know, it was it was superb bit of defending, and like you say, I just think he's, he, you know, it, it is it is so much karma, isn't it, back there when he's when he's there in the centre, sort of, um, you know, controlling everything, I suppose, and and you know, I think I think uh, I think the other lads like having him. There, don't they? Yeah, and I don't blame them, and I think I mean we've talked for a long while about what our central defence is going to look like, and this. This was one of the first games that made me wonder if Cons is the one to drop out, actually, because he, he's definitely the weakest on the ball back there. And, and Tyrone Mings, with the, the new contract too, is, is starting to look like he's going to continue to be an ever-present for us, which is, can only be good news. I mean, the Tyrone haters will disagree, but I think he's when he's good, we're good, and, and long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see when when Carlos is back up to full speed. We'll see. We'll see what Emery's thoughts are on that. I was I was very excited about the Carlos Mings potential partnership after the previous Everton game. I thought, you know, they they would look they would look really good. But obviously, Carlos got a bad injury in that game, and you know, it's uh, he's he's only just kind of coming back. So it'd be interesting to see where Emery falls on that particular. Um, Selection. I'm, I, I I don't doubt that Conza will be heavily involved in 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 the you know in that discussion. Though I don't I, you know I don't see it being um, such a clear cut call. I think Conza's really come come back this season really 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 well, um, and uh, he's still young, isn't he? He's yeah, got a lot. He's got a, a lot of defending still to do, hasn't he? And you know a lot of um, a lot of. De- developing still in him, I think. So, I think he'll still be um, he'll still be in the in the conversation next season for, for sure, provided he stays. I suppose we don't, we never know, do we? Um, but yeah, it was obviously Villa took the lead. Um, not long after this, uh, it was a, a penalty. Um, Ollie Watkins making it five goals in five games. The first. Villa player to do that since 1985. Um, do you know who that was? I only do because you told me. Uh, I've told you. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have known that. But the one I found out today that interested me is if he does six in six, it will be the the first time since Andy Gray, which is going back a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's 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 another probably another decade yeah. um, back, isn't it? Yeah. It's, Paul, Paul Rideout, I believe, in in 1985. I always forget he played for Villa. Um, yeah, I always think of him more as an Everton player, actually, or a Southampton player. But yeah, he's he he, he had a spell at Villa and he did that. So uh, yeah, but Watkins has has kind of broken that record now. Um, I mean, he just had a, a really good header saved. I think it was a Dina cross and lovely header into the ground and absolutely wonderful save by Jordan Pickford onto the post. His his confidence just seems really at an all-time high at the moment. He he really looks like a different player, doesn't he? Um but I mean what 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 do you see as the the kind of the main sort of changes that have have driven this improvement in him? Um since Emery came in really. You're right in saying confidence. He's the header was beautiful. I'll get out of the way of it. It deserved to be a goal, an absolutely stunning header and a glorious save from Pickford. But confidence is the big difference for Ollie Watkins. We've always known he's got the tools to, to do it. He can press, he can hold up the ball. I mean, his hold-up play in this game was phenomenal, in fact. And he can dribble with it, he can pass it. And, and the only thing he's ever lacked is goals. And, and again, it's not technique thing, it's a confidence thing. And you saw that in abundance here. Ollie Watkins is not a good penalty taker. We we know this. It's not his strong suit. <laughs> and yet he fought Emmy Buendia for the ball and then just powered it down the middle, old school. And it's that's a lad who is absolutely top confidence right now. And and his post-match interviews were the same. There's, there's a good place in the, the Athletic this week where Ollie Watkins has basically said he wants to try and score every game. And it's, I, I, I don't want to argue with him at this point. He, he seems like he might do. And, 
I don't know, it's hugely exciting to see Ollie Watkins back with a smile on his face and back trusting in his own abilities because, I mean, he's increasingly looking like a bargain at the $24 million or whatever we paid for him. And and I think his best years are still ahead of him. It's, we've talked a lot on the pod and, and fans, Villa fans earlier this year were, were ushering Ollie Watkins out the door. But Emery is, has unlocked something in him, whether through psychology, whether through selling Danny Ings, whatever it is. He's unlocked something in him, and I think he's only going to go on from strength to strength from this. As as I say, to see him snatch that ball off Buendia and bang the penalty away like he did, it's, it really speaks volumes for me more than any first-time finish, great header, great run. I mean, that that's a lad who's in, in, in charge of his own abilities and knows what he's capable of. Yeah, I think I think this is it. It's, 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 it's his finishing, which has always been the question mark, isn't it? And... and he certainly seems to be um, whether he's worked on that. I know there was talk that he'd had a he'd employed a, f- a finishing coach, and these things don't just change overnight, do they? I think they have to. You know, I, I can remember you know Everton striker Calvert Lewin, you know, struggling for a couple of years, not really scoring many goals, and then all of a sudden he was he was banging them in for fun under Angel- Ancelotti, and just that extra bit of tactical. Um, tactical play or tactical awareness and knowing knowing what his strengths are and what he's been asked to do um, makes all the difference and Watkins just looks he looks like a diff, a different a different player he's he's obviously kind of bulked up um, he just looks powerful at front but the thing the big change for me is that he's not being asked to to wrestle with center backs anymore he's He's dropping into the, the the spaces in front of them, and receiving the ball there. You know that the the, the we'll come on to Buendia's goal, but the, the you know the way he 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 stepped forward and took and, and and took that ball and laid it off to McGinn, rather than backing into defenders to try and win headers or 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 hold the ball up like that. He's actually coming to the ball, taking a pass and laying it off, and then facing the goal. So he's he's kind of. He's he's turning himself round, and then he's he's on the front foot, and I think I think it's just making a massive difference to him. He's he's he's, he's he looks like he's not snatching at things anymore. He's not desperately trying to get in the game. He's just part of the build up, part of the play, and 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 he just looks he just looks like a, a really capable sort of top half Premier League striker now where I had my doubts before I really I really was starting to doubt like a lot of people whether we whether we'd seen the best of him whether he'd reached a peak and he was on the way the one on the way down but he's he's proved me wrong he's he's absolutely not you know well I I've always thought the raw materials are there with Watkins he's always had it he, he's as complete a striker as I've seen at Villa. Like, he's got the pace to get him behind, as you say. He's got the, the link-up play there when he drops deep. He pressures opponents well. He is strong at the moment. He looks really powerful this year. He just never put them all together in one game. And you're right. I think under Gerard, we were lofting balls into him like he was John Carew. And, uh, and kind of under Smith, it never quite got going in the partnership with Ings. But... But what Emery's done is is we're playing to his strengths. As you say, he's dropping off and, and linking up on the half turn rather than a ball in the air. And then he gets in behind. He, he gets up to full speed before he gets in behind. And and what I've really noticed over the last few games is he's taken his chances earlier. He used to take a touch or two before getting a shot away. But now it's first time left or right foot or with his head. It doesn't matter. He's getting a shot away. And, and that could be confidence and and more than any other position on the pitch, I think confidence makes or breaks a striker. But it's also coaching, I think. We know Emery's a guy who who goes into meticulous detail with players. There's, there's stories of him at previous clubs where he'll, he'll stop training and, and make a player move their body position to receive the ball in a certain way, even if it's millimetres worth of difference. Uh, and I think that's starting to bear fruit here as well. And I mean, he's a great striker, and I think as long as he continues on this trajectory, which, who knows, we know Watkins can be streaky, then it puts a, a really interesting question mark against next season in a position that the Villa fans wanted to be filled by someone coming in from the outside. I think maybe we're now looking for a foil for Ollie Watkins rather than a replacement. Yeah, I think that might be true, and, I th- I, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see see what the summertime brings, but I think he's... Um... 
he's he's really nailing down nailing down that that position. You almost kind of look watching him over the last few weeks. You think, well, would it be even possible for Villa to go and get a better player than Ollie Watkins? You know, for for under. 60, 70 million, you know. I don't think we can. I don't, I don't think we're in that market no. at all. And he's doing this hamstrung by playing up front with uh, Leon Bailey, who who's useless at the moment. So imagine what you do with an actual strike partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> useless. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, but, but it's a bit strong, Bailey. But yeah, I know <laughs> no, what you're saying. I to be fair, saying. it is a bit strong. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Leon, just mildly useless. But, but I, I shouldn't say that because... Um, much as you know, we we criticised Ollie Watkins earlier in the season. We we criticised Tyra Mings. I've criticised John McGinn on this pod, and and all of them are coming back to bite us. I mean, they're all playing some of the best football of of their Villa careers, maybe at the moment. And it's, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it shows that in the Premier League, and probably as an an Aston Villa fan, you you shouldn't write players off because they always seem to come back at us. Absolutely, and I suppose that's that's the other um, that's the other thing um, with Ollie Watkins. It's it's kind of you know he's never really he's he, he's obviously been picked for England before, but he's never really been picked on the strength of his goal scoring, has he? Because he just hasn't since he came into the Premier League. He's he's had a couple of reasonable years, but he's not been one of the the top kind of goal scorers in in the league. Um, but now he's on this run. He's he's the inform Premier League, or certainly the inform English striker. I would have said. Obviously, Kane's having a great season as well. But you know, Kane's position's not under threat. It's more whether Watkins can force his way into that into that squad. I mean, do you think he's got a chance? Do you think he can he can do that? I really do. I mean, it's so so unfortunate for Ollie that we had a winter world cup because I think if the world cup was coming in the summer, he'd have a big part to play in it and and I really think he's he's a really good player to work in tandem with Kane. I mean, you, you have Kane for 70 minutes and then you throw on Ollie Watkins who can harass defenders, who can get in behind, who could cause all kinds of trouble. I think Ollie Watkins is the perfect last 20-minute striker in international football. And I think part, maybe the only thing standing in his way is Rashford's hit red-hot form at the same time that Ollie Watkins has. But if I was Gareth Southgate, I'd, I'd be looking at Ollie Watkins as my plan B or my last 20 minutes of a game striker because I, I don't think there's anyone else like him in the country who can who can hold up the ball, who can push defences back, who can, can do all of it. And as you say, Kane's always going to start. That's understandable. But... But as an impact sub, I think that's where Ollie's international future lies, and I really hope he gets an international football uh, future because he really deserves it. Yeah, I think he's a player that managers like. I think he's definitely, you know, in the opposite way to um, how sort of we remember Grealish had yeah. to almost convince Southgate that he was he was trustworthy and reliable. You don't have to do that. Watkins doesn't have to do that. What Watkins has to do is is be consistent in front of goal and continue to to show the kind of um, sort of tactical awareness, I suppose, and you know, and, and 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 take on all the learning that he's getting with with Emery. I think Emery being Villa manager might help one or two players cause in in actual fact in in, in getting back into into their international teams. Maybe maybe Mings as well. So. You know, let let's see. I mean, there is a there'll be a squad in named in March at some point, and you know, let's let's see and hope. Hopefully, Watkins, you know, takes on that. Um, you know, takes on his form. Um, but just just as we're recording, like a bit of breaking news. Um, it's been announced. Emmy Martinez has won the uh, FIFA Men's Best Goalkeeper Award for 2022. Oh, look at that for time. Um, a ceremony in Paris tonight so uh i mean that's tremendous news isn't it aston villa have the best goalkeeper officially the best goalkeeper in the world i don't know how, how do you feel how that. do you feel about it's, that i mean it's great news i, I love them you kind of we all do and and I, I still think his days at villa are numbered but i love him and i love that he's hit the heights he has in an aston villa shirt it's it's always odd these international awards though not to pour cold water on it but it's i don't know if it's it's definitely not measured on clean sheets, otherwise a Villa goalkeeper wouldn't get it. But you win the World Cup, you seem to win all of the awards just because you've won the World Cup, which which is probably fair. But 
Look, I mean, I love Emmy Martinez. I, I hope he goes and, and has the kind of raucous celebrations he did after the World Cup, and he deserves it. And and if nothing more, it's going to up his transfer value ahead of the summer. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, he's he's but he's he's had he's had like you know, it's it's if if Carlsberg uh, made winters, you know, he, he, he would. <laughs> He's, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. He's picked up the World Cup and and two prestigious goalkeeping awards. So I mean, you know, it, it doesn't get much better, really. I mean, I bet he can't believe it. Oh no, he is probably <laughs> one of the most Roy of the Rovers signings Villa have made for a while. Remember when we got him? He was Arsenal's backup goalkeeper. No one really trusted him. People thought we were overpaying for him. And look at him now. I mean, it's been a hell of a transformation and. He's just one of those characters you can't help but root for. I mean, in a different way to Ollie Watkins, he's he's almost the polar opposite, but you just can't help but love the guy. And I, I do think his days at Villa are numbered, and I'll be sad to see him go. But, I mean, he's destined for the top, and, and we've played a really crucial role in getting him there. He's he's won the World Cup, and as you say, become best goalkeeper in the world at Aston Villa. And that's, that's an odd thing to think about for a club that's had Jed Steer and Mark Bunningall for him in recent years. Uh, uh, yeah, you leave Jed Steer out of it. <laughs> <laughs> promotion hero. He is a promotion Still hero, legend. but I don't think he's going to be uh, bothering the juries in Paris anytime soon. No, and 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 the actual, you know, the the, the thing of. Um, rubbing salt in the wound by collecting the award in Paris in, in France is just <laughs> is just quite quite amazing isn't he um but you know it's superb superb stuff and a, a real kind of uh, it's good to have these moments isn't it I, well I don't know we've never we've never had this before global um kind of uh, recognition for for one of our players it's just never happened it is, yeah i mean grealish gave us a little taste of it but he he never actually won anything and and i think um yeah i mean we've all lived a little bit vicariously through emmy martinez over recent months and <laughs> i like to think even though i've probably not had a night out for ages i've, I've had a night out just by watching emmy martinez have a few nights out so um yeah I, it, it's a great thing to have I'm, I'm really excited for him it's it's one of those stories him the resurgence of Ollie Watkins. There's a lot of reasons to to smile as an Aston Villa fan at the moment. Yeah, another one that I'd uh, I've bumped into in my local area as well. So I was quite quite pleased with that. You've got a collection of, <laughs> of Villa players. It's it's in the no Andy. You you just hang around <laughs> local food halls and parks in the hope of bumping into Villa players. Um, no, <laughs> sounds bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but um, no, great stuff. Congratulations, Emmy Martinez. What a what what an achievement. Um, but of course, it was his uh, his Argent- Argentine uh, countryman that uh, came off the bench uh, late on to to make a make a, a huge impact in this game. Emmy Buendia um, replaced uh, Leon Bailey, I believe, and um, and uh, straight into the straight into the game. Obviously, he tried to take the penalty, and then um, another move, lovely bit of forward play, as I said, by Watkins, um, played it into the, the path of, of McGinn, driving run um, through the middle of the park, and then he found found Buendia, who, who just skinned the defender and dispatched it past Pickford. Um, you know, really great moment for, for Buendia, um, another, you know, vital goal really um he seems to when he does score they they tend to be important goals um but last week we had Leon Bailey coming off the bench and he was really unfortunate not to win the game this week it was Buendia's turn to be the super sub um it's a great sign that we we seem to have these options and these players that can come on and and change games but do you think it's a bit of an issue that these two perhaps struggle when they start games a little bit yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I think Emery's got this this squad purring in a way in the fact that he's got them all interested. And if you start on the bench or start the match, you know you've got a role to play in the game. Buendia's such a funny one because he looks like a better sub than he does a starter. And, and yet he's been one of our most effective players this season for progressive passes. I mean, and it just he passes the eye test too about always being involved. And, and in this game too, won the penalty kind of scored a beautiful goal, great bit of skill and composure there. And 
And I think maybe his mentality is is what makes him a better sub than a starter. He's a little bit like Scrappy-Doo. He's wound up all the time. He's constantly looking for the fight. And, and if you do that from minute one, it's exhausting and it's not exactly tactically sound. I mean, Emery's talked a lot this week about controlling games. And, and when Diaz doesn't strike me as a guy who controls games, he's a guy who gets stuck in in every opportunity and, and, and kind of goes forwards, dives into tackles, chases everything down. And we saw that in this game again. It wasn't just the goals. He was squaring up to James Tarkovsky at one point. And I, it, it's what you like to see as a fan. But I guess as a manager, it's got to be frustrating because you don't want that over 90 minutes when you're trying to play control and pragmatic football. So, yeah, I, I found it a really interesting one with Buendia because if we can unlock him to play like that from the start of a game, we've got an absolute gem on our hands, a player who, who justifies his price tag. But we can't seem to find what the the secret ingredient is to make him play like that. So I, I worry that the case with him and Bailey is we sign good players, but but good players in, for 30 minutes, not good players for 90 minutes, which will, which will make them expensive super subs in the long run. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it is, I mean, I've, I've said, said a few times that I have my doubts about Buendia and I, my doubts about whether he's, he is, quite as good as people think he is but um he's so up and down and and uh, you know I thought the Leicester game for example he had he had a he had a really good game mm-hmm. he was he was he was really involved he was he was at the forefront of everything Villa did some excellent involved in some excellent moves against Arsenal um there was obviously that great great dummy that great bit of play with Coutinho you know and he, again he you know he was he was he was involved. He was affecting things to some degree, although we weren't so much in that game. And um, but then in the middle of that against Man City, he was just anonymous, absolutely anonymous. And I know you can be as a forward player, as an attacking player against Man City, it can be hard to get into the game. And you know, but he did, he just looked out of his depth. He just didn't really look like he was ever gonna gonna do anything. Um, I just I just have this feeling that as a as a regular first choice player he's kind of a bottom half premier mm-hmm. league standard and um that's been okay for us up to now but whether he's got something that that another side to his game that that Emery can kind of unlock to to make him part of a top half team you know because like we said he's He's got all the all the attributes. He's a he's a he's a workhorse. He's he's extremely kind of intense on the field. Um, and if you could just harness that in a certain position, you know, I think I think he could play a part. But whether that's as a kind of game changing number ten, or whether that's as more of a you know a midfield sort of battler type type player with a, obviously a, with 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 a, a good bit of talent as well. So I don't, I don't know really. It's um, I think it's going to be an interesting few months for him really, and and a lot will depend on who else comes in in the summer as to whether he's he's still kind of seen as a first choice going into next season. Yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I I still think he's tailor made for that left side of midfield for us, and yeah, I and do. I think if it, against Man City, I think if John McGinn's fit fully fit he doesn't start that game and Villa have a better first half of it I think that's where the the lack of depth in our squad really kind of came back to bite Emery in that game because I don't think you start when Deer on the wing against City you, you get overrun as we saw we did but but in those home games against your Leicesters maybe against your Arsenals I think that's when Emery Buendia comes up trumps for us and I want him to succeed I really do I, I like him I think he's a fun player to watch he's you know, like a number 10 who likes to tackle. They don't really come along that often. The thing that excites me is is similar to Ollie Watkins a few months ago. He's a player that we're talking about as having all the ingredients. He just needs to put them together. And if if Emery can do what he's done to Ollie Watkins, to Emi Buendia, then I think we've, we finally unlock his potential. But you're right, it's an interesting few months for him because I think no doubt those wide positions will be strengthened in the future. I don't see him as one of those top two, even though he can play there. He doesn't really have the pace to do it. So I think it's it's a big couple of months for him. But but performances like that off the bench won't do his case any harm at all. No, not at all. And and you know, like you say on that left side, he's 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 
he's more in a position, I think, to affect things, particularly if he's got Moreno sort of bombing past him. He can he can pick him out, can't he, and sort of interchange with him a little bit, a bit more space. And you you know the yeah he he, he has a turn of pace, but not not he's not rapid, is he? And 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 I think um, that's where that's maybe where he falls down a bit. I also just think he, you know, just taking the wrong option at times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're criticising a player that, that that scored a really good goal for us. And he has, you know, in the last few games, in fairness, there's, there was the, the, you know, the Tottenham goal. Then there was the goal against Leeds. And he scored again, you know, and he's been involved in other goals. And I think he's, you know, one of my criticisms of him was, you know, his numbers, but he's he's addressing that, and he's he seems more like he is getting getting those goal involvements. Um, a phrase I hate using, but he's getting that he's getting that um, that those goal involvements more regularly now. Yeah, and I might be completely wrong on this, and, and listener, do correct me if I'm. I'm not sure he's got an assist this season. I I can't remember one off the top of my head. He's had you know like the one that came back off the bar that Watkins put in, which isn't really an assist. The, the lovely step over for for Coutinho, which wasn't an assist, even though it should be. It was beautiful. He, he's lacking that part of his numbers. And again, it just shows me he's added the goals, but he's dropped the assists. He's he's defending better, but he's not getting forwards as much. He just needs to find that balance. And I think that's, that's incredibly hard to do for a player who's had three different managers in 18 months. So I think he's another one that I think a, a stable spell under a good manager could hopefully make the world a difference for us. But... But like you, Andy, I've got sneaking suspicions he's a little bit of a lower half lower half player and, and whether he, he is the guy to drive us forwards, I'm not sure. But, but I want him to be. Yeah, well certainly as as part of the the driving force. I think he, I think because that's possibly how we need to think of things now. It isn't actually individuals driving mm-hmm. the team. It's it's actually the system, it's the it's the the team as a as a whole, isn't it? Um, and that's that's how it has to be. It has to work as a unit, and and I think he can. I think he can be part of that. I think he has absolutely the right attributes to be part of that. But 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 not as the star man. Yeah. Not as a as the as the kind of um, record signing number ten that we that we that we bought him. You know, for just as a just as a you know a part of the team. And 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 I think he's I think he's got it. And you know he's he's still. Massively popular, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's, you know, um, which which must must give him huge confidence, I think. Um, but yeah, let's let's see, let's see. I'm starting to, I'm starting to, to warm to him. I feel like you're going the other way. And I'm, I know this. I'm is, a, I've been trying to convince you for months that Wendy is the real deal, and now now we're swapping positions. <laughs> you just want them to do well, don't you? I you want them, whoever it is, you want them to. Um, fulfill their potential, and I think I think he is kind of doing that, but not the potential that we perhaps thought he had. He's a different. It's he's maybe a different player, or he's emerging as a different player, possibly. But you know, great, great bit of. I mean, superb. You oh, know, yeah. just to just to knock it round the defender and, and and slam it in the corner. You know, you you got to love that. Oh, it was a lovely little drag and no one saw it coming. And we, we lack a little bit of unpredictability in this team. And I think he can bring that when he's at his best. And like, I, I love a number 10. I'd like to see a little bit more of that from him. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. Like I say, that that, that left-hand side, he can kind of drift into that position and, and affect things, can't he? So, you know, let's see. Let's see how, how the how the rest of the season goes for him. But someone who, who also made a huge impact um, and has done since he since Emery came in, really, he's, he's improved massively, is, is John McGinn, the uh, the captain. You know, he's finally was starting to see um, the, the John McGinn that we've been waiting to see probably since we got promoted, certainly since he, he got that, that nasty injury. Um, he's found this role on the, the right hand side of midfield, as we we talked about that kind of inverted uh, wide player. Um, I mean, first of all, obviously won the penalty driving in from from that side, and then he set up Wendy's goal, as we said, with that 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 kind of run into the into the middle of the pitch, carrying the ball forward. Um, he's he's undoubtedly. Hugely improved. I mean, it's like night and day, mm. isn't it, to the start of the season? Um, 
you know, since Emery joined. So, so what has changed and what do you think are the strengths that he has that kind of suit this position and role that he has in the system? Yeah, I mean, I've got to, got to have a little slice of humble pie here because I think a few months back I was calling for the end of John McGinn's Villa career and I think at the time, somewhat justified, he was playing terribly and I think the difference that's happened is we finally found a position for him. I, I, I talked when we first appointed Emery that I could see John McGinn playing on the left side of midfield and finding a role for himself as a wide midfielder. But he's just switched swings and he's he's come into his own. And I think that's always been the issue with John McGinn is we don't know what he is. He's He can play as a holding midfielder and he can pass. He can also get forwards and score goals like he does for Scotland. He did well in that promotion season because, let's be honest, it was the championship and, and you can be a bit more of a maverick in that division, but then struggled in the Premier League and... And there's always been the talk of him that he's a bit of a tactical unicorn and that he combines so many different attributes you don't normally see in one player. And as we were saying earlier in the pod, you don't seem to get those players anymore. So we, we've tried for so long to make him a central midfielder and, and Emery's just kind of kept him doing what he does best, but just plonked him on the wing where, where he doesn't have to go up against giant central midfielders or doesn't have to curb his attacking instincts. He can basically be the marauding player that we want him to be. But he can also, which is what I love about John McGinn, as well as driving into the box, he can get his head up and ping a crossfield pass to someone or he can lash it from distance. And tracking back, he can get back and cover Matty Cash and, and be a central midfielder tackling on the wing. So I think Emery is, has in some ways been very smart in that he's he's converted a central midfielder to a, to a winger. But in reality, he's just seen what John McGinn's good at and, and put him in a position to do it. And it's... It's the old adage, football's pretty simple when you when you boil it down, and he's just stripped it back and made it simple. He's he's not made John McGinn tucking in to cover an attacking fullback and pinging the ball about. He said, off you go, go do what you do, and occasionally defend on the right flank for us. And it, it's working beautifully. And he's another one of those players, you, you talk about players that you want to see do well. I think maybe my anger and my disappointment in John McGinn came from the fact that I, I kind of love John McGinn and I want to see him do well, but... But like you get most angry at the people you love, kind of. I think that's where I was at earlier in the season. I was so frustrated with him. I'd love nothing more than John McGinn to have a great future for us as this, you know, marauding right winger who scores the goals for us that he does for Scotland. I'd love to see that. So, I mean, long may it continue and and long may it continue eating that humble pie because... Because again, Emery is... I'm I'm a broken record on this podcast just praising Unai Emery. But, you know... I think after Steven Gerrard, it's a breath of fresh air to have a manager who's just doing the simple things right and getting the best out of players. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with all of that. And I think the the huge difference, I think, is that he was... I mean, he's still the captain, isn't he? Mm-hmm. But he's 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 not he's not being asked to be Steven Gerrard on the field, is he? And I think... I think that's what McGinn struggled with. He wanted to be that leader, didn't he? He wanted to, to show... You know that fight and determination, and when things were going wrong, he'd be flying into tackles. He'd be shouting at people. He'd be, you know, having a go at the opposition bench and the referee yeah. and all the rest of it. Criticizing Sean Dyche's coat, like it's all there. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, but that's that's perfectly acceptable. But I think, but I think, um, I think, I think he's not he's not doing that now, is he? He's he's just he's just playing his game. He's he's actually a really you know, quite a, he's, he's a very good footballer. Yeah. You know, he's very good on the ball. There was a moment in the Arsenal game where we didn't talk about it on the pod, podcast last week. We didn't get to it, but he, 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 he took it round about three players and had a shot. And it was a, it was a tame, tame enough shot in the end, but just for a moment, I thought he's going to score goal of the season here, you know, because he has got that in his locker. He, 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 one of that one of the things when we were in the championship and and at times since we came up is that his that ability to to just hold the ball no one can get the ball off him he he's 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 just so good at that um and that's footwork that's that's skill you know he's 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 a very kind of tactically and tactically astute but also skillful player and i think um yeah, he's 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 got that space. He's got that license to to do to play his game, hasn't he? Now, whether that 
you know, goes much past the summer. We we just don't know. We don't know what Emery's plans are, you know, in terms of in terms of that. But I think if we've got a player like McGinn who's so important to the club, such a an icon at the club, playing the way he is, you know, you're not looking to replace him, are you? You you're looking to 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 take him on again, really. And I, I really hope that's the case. I, I really hope this is um the start of where we see the Premier League, John McGinn. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think what's interesting as well, you, you talked about this narrow box midfield earlier. I don't think there's many managers in the league that John McGinn could thrive under. There's not really many managers that would give him that that chance to play to his best. And we, we were saying about Ollie Watkins earlier, we were saying about Emmy Buendia. McGinn is another one of those who tantalises you. He's got all of the ingredients to be a world-class midfielder. It just needs to come together. And and that's what I feel like Villa have had to buy for a while because obviously we've not been a, a top echelon team. You buy the players that if they could just put it together, they could be world beaters. And you're hoping for one or two of them to put it together. And and what I'm, I think maybe attracted Emery to this job, apart from the, the massive paycheck and the opportunity to live in Birmingham, was probably <laughs> there were so many players at the club that he saw and he was like, I could get a tune out of these. I could take John McGinn and I could mould him into the player I want him to be. And I can take Ollie Watkins and, and Emmy Buendia and Tyrone Mings and even Leon Bailey and I can get that extra 20% out of them that makes him a top draw player because that's what Emery's done throughout his career. He's taken average players and made them great and he's got the raw materials to work with. And, and like you, I, I thought McGinn was a shoo-in to be replaced maybe, but now you're looking at it and you're like... Is there a better option on that right side? Maybe there's a plan B. Maybe there's a, a fleet-footed right winger with a right foot that you can put on for the games where you want to stretch an opposition back line. And, and that's where I think it's becoming a lot less about players and a lot more about the system. And, and Villa are going to become a bit of a Swiss army knife where, where we pull out the right tools against the right opposition. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, isn't it, when you sort of think of it like that. And I, I think we have been sort of in the doldrums a bit it doesn't take much does it for uh, no, for villa no, fans to uh, to hit the hit the panic button but i think i think um, i think we are we are kind of um you know looking at that now we're, we're getting these performances more often you know the fact i mean what is it is it is it is one is one five out of six away games yeah. is it five out of six or four out of five he's only lost one he's only yeah. lost to man city anyway and you know that's that's incredible. It's considering really considering we couldn't we couldn't win away at all under Gerard, it seemed, and you know, the same players, but they're they're just they they're just set up and they just know what, what they're doing. That was the beauty of this performance, wasn't it? And even in and I, I missed the pods, so um so I wasn't able to say this, but even in the losses over recent weeks, you've still seen the same the same style of play, this system is still evident. Sure, it's not worked all the time and there's there's been a few silly mistakes, but what I'm starting to see from Villa is, is something out of an identity, I suppose. There's a way of playing that seems to be coherent from week in to week out. So even when you lose games, there's a crumb of comfort because you can see what he's trying to do, whereas under previous managers, there's been it's been harem scaring. We don't know what's going to happen one week to the next. Under Emery, it seems to be... You know, whether we lose 4-2 to Arsenal or win 2-0 away at Everton, there's a similar approach there, and the difference is the execution of the approach. And I think, whereas Gerrard was was calling for better talent and better game changers, I think Emery just wants someone to listen to him and follow his instructions. I think that's what we're going to see in, in the type of player who stays at Villa Park will be ones like JJ, who's excited walking his dogs on a Sunday morning because he's executed <laughs> Emery's game plan. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's what's kind of frustrated me. Um, you know, is is the, the that kind of feeling that, that that players there are players there that maybe don't fancy it. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't really want to put that work in to get themselves to the next level at Aston Villa. You know, they'll wait for a move and they'll do it that way, but they won't they won't um you know, just just you know, just just do it. Just do the work. Sit in the lectures. You know, do the do all that really boring shape work on mm-hmm. the training ground and and all that stuff that Emery wants. And you could be like Ollie Watkins, where you you suddenly you've gone from looking like you're struggling in a 
in a in a team nearer the bottom of the Premier League to to potentially being a, a top six t- top eight striker, you know, and and I think that's you know that he's he's the he's the role model for that McGinn as well, but particularly Watkins because he's the headline maker. But I think I think that's there for all of them. They're all capable of it. You know, it's just about attitude sometimes with them. You know, and that's what frustrates me. I think. Yeah, and I think that's what frustrates Emery too. I think that's why he's calling them out after the Arsenal game because he, he, you're right. He spends ages in lectures telling them what the game plan is, and then they don't follow it. And it's, I just say that I think Watkins's form is is really coming at a good time for Emery, not just because of the goals, but because he can show players, look, this is what I can do to you. This is. This is what will happen if you listen to me and just follow what I do. And it, it becomes infectious. You start seeing your teammates like play like that. You're like, well, I want a little bit of that. I want to play that well. And and I think that's where the, his kind of villa will snowball in that once it starts to pick up speed, it's going to pick up speed fast. Just getting that momentum might take a little bit of time. But but look, we're, we're on equal points with Chelsea with 14 games to go. So, you know, it's all still to play for. Yeah, they are terrible, though, aren't they? My <laughs> they <goodness>. are. <laughs> they'll, they'll run into form just just as we turn up on uh, April the first. Funny enough, so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's just looking very very positive again, isn't it? I I didn't want to get too carried away on this podcast. But I, I wanted to I wanted it. to be all cool. And... It's my newfound positivity, Andy. I can't help it. I'm just after every win this season, I'm going to be happy, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, well, like I say, considering considering what uh, you know what we were served up under the under the previous regime, um, we have to enjoy this, don't we? And the, let's face it, the away fans are having a whale of a time. Oh yeah, they they're loving it, aren't they? On the road, you know, it's the place after to win, be. After win. Yeah, <laughs> screw Villa Park. Just get go to as many away games as you can. Well, that's it. I think uh, I think they prefer it, don't they? <laughs> but um, yeah, good luck to them. Um, but we're back at home this weekend. Um, it's the the ultimate mid-table battle at, at Villa Park this Saturday. I feel like Crystal Palace have been eleventh for about four years, and we've come <laughs> and come and taken it taken it off them this year. Um, but they'll be looking to kind of claw that back a little bit. Um, Vieira's team have, have plateaued a little bit this season, um, but remain hugely dangerous team, particularly on the break. Um, and on the attack, um, they have a, a, an abundance of attacking talent to call on, the likes of Eze and obviously the very popular Wilf Zaha, and of course our, our ex striker Jordan Ayew. I always forget he played for Villa, <laughs> um, but yeah, he did. Was he top scorer that season? I think we he was. Yeah, he must have been. Yeah. yeah, he must have been. Um, Emery will be without Phil Coutinho again for this one. He's around, out for around a month, I think. And it still seems a little bit early for Diego Carlos, but but you never know. You never know he might be involved. Um, Emery again will have some some food for thought in a few positions this week. So, so how how would you like to see him set up for this one, and 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 how can he get this this home form firing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were talking earlier about who he picks horses for courses. I think Marino comes back in at left back. It's it's a game you want to go and attack, and he's the guy to to go do that. And then apart from that, it, it's what do you do with, with Jacob Ramsey and Emi Buendia? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leon Bailey left out for Buendia and then and then Buendia go up top or, or even play left and JJ go up top. But, but yeah, I, I'd very much expect to see Marino come in and I expect this to be a game that we go and attack. I mean, Palace are a good team, make no mistakes about it. As you say, great attacking talent. They're, they're probably going to score against us. You almost can't stop them. I, I think they're just one of those weird teams with with a terrible defence but an abundance of attacking talent. But but I think they can be got at and I think this is a real real kind of barometer of of how we're gonna play at home. I think we'll see that more attacking intent than we have away. And I think Villa fans have a part to play in that and being a little bit calmer when we're playing it out from the back, from from being a little calmer when players are on the ball and keeping it and, and really fueling fueling what Emery's trying to do but but I wish I was coming down for this one I think you and Craig are going to be at this one and and I'm missing out because clearly the three of us can't be physically in the same space at the same time <laughs> it seems seems difficult I mean considering 
you know, we 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 all live so far apart. It's it's, <laughs> it's always going to be a challenge, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, Craig, Craig is 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 over for this one, I believe. And well, he's uh, I got him the ticket, so uh, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully he is. Hopefully he is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'll be up in the um, in the upper Trinity. So if you see him and you recognise him, then. Uh, then uh, get him to buy you a beer. I'm sure he'd be more than happy <laughs> to oblige. Um, yeah, so I'm ho- hope he enjoy hope he enjoys it for sure. But yeah, I, th- I think the, the it'll be interesting to see. It's the Bailey Buendia conundrum, isn't it? Really, um, and you know whether you know which one plays or whether whether even Duran or or, um, or Traore make an appearance. I think. I think that's the issue with Bailey now is that he's on he's on that that dodgy run of form, and there are players there that 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 other than sort of moving the other players around, there are players that could actually come in and potentially replace him. So, you know, he he's I feel for him. I feel like you know he's 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 really trying. I, I feel like there's no lack of effort with Bailey. He's he's absolutely. You know, gunning for it every week, and he's he's doing everything he, he can. It's just not running for him at the moment. Um, and whether you kind of think, you know, just one more game, and if he can just get off to a good start in a game, score a quick goal, he tends to have a good game. I think we've been saying that for two years now. Those the problem. He, he's a little too lightweight for me, and and I think particularly in this game, I think they're quite pacey, the, the Palace backline, but I think they can physically be got at. So Duran might be a good shout. I mean, it's, if you're ever going to give him a, a starting debut at home to Palace, not a bad place to do it. And he's looked lively every time he's come on, and I think he could physically kind of put them about a little bit. So I, I wouldn't be averse to that. Yeah, we'll s- certainly see. But yeah, I'd like to see Moreno back in as well, um, as you say. But I... I'd keep the midfield the same. I think I'd, I'd I'd go with that, and I think I'd 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 go with the same setup. You know, let's see if we can. I really don't mind. I'm I'm quite happy to 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 sit and watch um, a relatively dull game. Although I don't think I don't think Saturday was a dull game no. as such. Um, you know, but you know, if 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 I'm walking out of the Holt end after the game, having won two nil, I'm 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 more than happy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too fussed. I'm, I'm not. I don't go to foot. I'm one of these fans. I go to football to watch football and not to be entertained. I'm, I don't know if that's that makes me strange these no, days. No, I know but. what you mean. I'd, I'd love nothing more than a boring Villa team that, that wins one nil, two nil every week. I'd love nothing more than that. But I, I think there's a little bit of of Emery's got that chip on his shoulder after the Arsenal tenure, where people said his football was boring. I think he's quite consciously trying to play it up at Villa Park a little bit more and. But uh, I'm the same as you, Andy. I, I, I want to see my team win. I don't mind how we win as long as I see us win. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not boring if you win. That's my uh, that's my philosophy. And uh, yeah, I'm sure a few managers share that as well. So um, <laughs> let's see. But any predictions for this one? I fancy us to win, but I fancy them to score. So I, I'd go two-one Villa. Okay, I'm I'm going to go. I think because Craig's in attendance. We're going to put on a show, and I think it's going to be four-one. Let's go big. I mean, I go hope big so, go for home. Craig's sake. He's come a long way for the game, so uh, I reckon we could at least put on a show for him. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. And I hope, hope he has a good day. Um, but that's all. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me, Dan. It's been been great to have you back on. Great to to chat through a win, as always. And. Uh, yeah, if you're um, thanks to everyone for listening, and if you're interested in in following us um, on the social media, then 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 head over to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, search for under a gaslit lamp, or 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 check out the website under gaslitlamp.com. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts uh, from. Um, just click the subscribe, and then we'll you'll get a notification when the podcast is ready. Um, if you're going to Palace on 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 Saturday, enjoy the game. Let's try and get a win, and we'll be back next week to review that and look ahead to the West Ham game away. Um, but until then, stay safe and up the Villa. <laughs>